Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to conclude this message this morning on proof producers. Proof producers, part 2. Matthew chapter 7. Beginning from verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, there is a part of this message I could not finish two weeks ago. And really, that's where I'm going today. However, before I get there, I think it's, it's important, it's good for me to just take a very quick review of the things we said in the previous message to bring us to the point I want to make today. Number one, we said that this passage is not referring to believers. And the reason I'm saying this is because many people read this passage and say, wow, these guys have prophesied. They've done many wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. And yet Jesus is saying, depart from me, I never knew you. And so that creates fear in the hearts of people who are not discerning, who are not matured perhaps, or who do not understand very fully the things of God. So I'm saying to you this morning, this passage is not talking to believers. How do I know that? Jesus himself made this absolutely clear leading up to this passage. He said these are false prophets. He's referring to false prophets. Well, let me move on. Secondly, from that previous message, we made it abundantly clear that believers don't, do not earn their salvation. Rather, it's a free gift of God that is not based on performance. Amen. This is huge. Amen. Because remember, in the passage we just read, these people prophesied, they performed. They did signs, they performed. Worked miracles, they performed. And so, there is this notion to think that because you did certain things, that's earned you brownie points with God or that that's earned you an acceptance with God. And I'm saying to you that with God, you and I do not have to base our relationships on performance. Hello? So believers don't earn their salvation. Rather, it's a free gift of God that isn't based on performance. Number three. In that last uh, in that verse 23 of Matthew 7, it says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So, first of all, when Jesus said, I never knew you, that should help you understand right there that those guys were never born again. Yes. I never. He didn't say, I've known you and now you've, you've gone back. No, that's not what he says. He said, I never. At no point whatsoever did I ever reckon you to be part of me. I never knew you. Okay? So it says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, or you who practice lawlessness. Now, number three point here is, Jesus never referred to believers as workers of iniquity. Never. Why? Because from God's perspective, every believer has been completely, perfectly holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y completely, perfectly, wholly made righteous. Amen. Done. Just like a baby in a hospital. A baby would, may not have certain skills, may not be able to do certain things, but that baby will never be any more human 20 years later than they are now. So don't look at where you are to determine or help to change God's mind about who you are. 
Your experience does not change God's, God's mind. Yes. And, and this is so critical because I'm telling you, the title of this message is Proof Producers. And I'm laying the background, clearing the cobwebs, because there are certain things you will not be able to walk in if you are doubting certain things about who you are. If you don't know who you are, you'll be limited in how far you can go. You see, because right believing directs and shapes your behavior. So Jesus is making it clear that it's not referring to believers as the workers of uh, iniquity. Why? Quickly, number one, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, we are dead to sin. Dead. Say we are dead. dead. To sin. sin. You need to believe that. Because if you believe that, you won't sin. But if you don't believe that, if you are arguing with that and don't believe it for what God said it is, then of course you are open to sin. But the Bible said we are dead to sin. And I have never seen a dead man smoking cigarettes. Never. When a man dies, he dies. A dead man can never lost. Never. You can, you can parade ten beautiful men naked before him. He's dead. He's dead. We are dead to sin. You need to believe that. You need to say that to yourself all the time. I am dead to sin. Why are you dead to sin? Paul tells me. Galatians chapter 2. He said, my old man is crucified. Yes. Notice. He did not say the old man is placed on a tranquilizer. No. He did not say that the old man is gone on vacation. Because if he goes on vacation, he can return. What did Jesus did? He crucified that old, terrible, compelling power that compels me and you to sin. Dead to sin. I don't know about you, but I can tell you categorically without any shadow of doubt, bank has died to sin. Not by my own effort. But through the grace of God, the love of God, and the power of the cross. And whether the devil likes it or not, it is a reality. And I'll remind him of it when he brings in. Ah, Satan, we used to do that, but you are talking to to a different person. If any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Satan, you know who you are looking at? Get a new pair of glasses. Because the person you are looking at now is not the person you knew. Amen. All things have passed away. Amen. Behold, all things have become new. Yes. So number one, Jesus says, we are dead to sin. Ah, let's go read one. Romans chapter 7. Not only are we dead to sin, look at this. In Romans chapter 7. In verse 4. Look at what it says. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become what? Dead to the law through the body of Christ. So you have a dead man in a casket and you are telling him don't speed. Does that make any sense? You are looking at a dead man, a man that is dead, and you are telling that man, dead man, you need to pay your taxes. He's dead. So Jesus is telling you and I, we have been dead to the law. Now, remember what we mean when we say law. We're talking about performance, self-efforts, self-righteousness, all the things you and I do to gain brownie points. So we can come before God and brag and say, God, do you know who I am? God. When they open the door of the church, I'm the first one there. When they're asking for good offering, Abba, God, you can count on me. I write great checks. Are you calling prayer meeting God? I'll be the first one there and the last one to leave. Yes, sir. When they say 10 day fast, I do 12. Yes, sir. <laughs> Brand new points. So we are dead to sin. We are dead to the law. Number three. Jesus tells us in Romans chapter 10 verse 4 that Christ is the end of the Lord. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Is the end of it. 
Please pay attention. It's the end. Meaning, there was a time when the Lord was good for you. But when Jesus stepped into the arena, the law expired. There's an end to it. What, would you go to the grocery store and buy expired food? Are you sure? No, 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 no. Greg, are you sure? Rosie? Positive. So you, we have enough sense to know we will not go to Koga, Publix, and buy food on his shelf that has expired. And the Bible says Christ is the end of the law. The law has ended, and you still want to embrace it? Somebody. It doesn't work like that. Romans 4, 15. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. Oh, man, this is so freeing. Did you hear that? Because there's no law, there is nothing now that can be brought against me yes. as a transgression. Yes. In order for there to be a transgression, there has to be a law. If there's no speed limit on the German autobahn, how can you stop it for speeding? No speed limit. Drive as fast as you can. Depending on what kind of car you're driving. If you're driving a Yugo, two-cylinder car, you can press the accelerator all the way to the floor. You'll be lucky to do 45 miles an hour. <laughs> but if you're in a Maserati, hello, somebody. Zoom! You are gone. And there's no law against it. And therefore, you cannot get a speeding ticket. Are you following what I'm saying? I am setting us up for where we are going. Oh, and then I mentioned to you in the last message about how Jesus dealt a double blow to sin. Leviticus chapter 16. That was so terrible. I pray that you never allow that revelation to leave you. The father on the cross, he dealt with the power of sin. The sinful old man, the sinful nature. Dealt with it. Killed it! But sin is a double-edged sword. It's not only the power you need to reckon with, but also the penalty of it. And it's amazing to me how God so beautifully in his wisdom, way back in Leviticus, the greatest feast of the Jews, the great day of atonement. Not only did they slaughter his goat, before the order, they also brought a live goat. Leviticus 16, verses 20 and 21. Lay their hands on the head of the live goat. Confess all their sins. And then sent the live goat away by the hand of a fit man. And they called that goat the scapegoat. Uh, uh, do you, have you ever used that language, scapegoat? What do you call a scapegoat? Something that is blamed from something that they did not do. We just put the blame on. Uh, you are the in this situation. Think about what God is saying. This goat is alive. Why? Because our sins are alive and real. However, they have been sent away. Not by Shewon or Nodipe, as good as he is. Or Bank Akimola. Oh, no, 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 no. But by the hand of a fit man. Yes. Fit in the sense that he knows the right timing, yes. the right place, yes. and what to do with it. Yes. Yes. Sent away. Never to return to testify against you. Wow. Amen. Never. Say never. never. Say never. never. Oh my God, I'm about to shut myself silly here. This is too good to be true. To know that God will do that in the Old Testament. Hear this. He gave them three feasts. Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. And each one of those feasts speak to the church today. Passover talks about our salvation. Notice in the Passover offerings. There must be no leaven. No leaven be found. Leaven speaks to us of sin. And so Jesus came 
and there was no sin found in him. The Lamb of God that fulfilled our Passover. Pentecost, however, speaks of a feast of the church. We are in the Pentecostal age. So what does God do? The same God who is at Passover, there must be no leaven found in your sacrifices. In Pentecost, commanded that there must be leaven. Why? Because he's well aware that the sin in this age we will have sins or rather the church in this age we will have shortcomings false sinfulness and he has already factored that into the equation my god jesus took care of your sins past present and future it is not a debit oh no no no, no. it is not a credit card instrumental payment it was paid for in Fool. Unbelievable. Incredible. But that's not where I'm going. Jesus said in that Matthew chapter 7. Let me read it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. We establish that. What is the will of the Father? What is the will of the Father? Acts 13. I found me a son of Jesse. A man after my own heart. Referring to David. Who will do all my will. So you know right off the bat, it cannot be a performance thing. Because if it was, David does not qualify. A man of my heart, comma, who will do all of my will? And yes, of all the Bible figures, Greg, he chooses David. Yes, sir. Right here, standing from just what I've read, I can tell you how many things David did that was wrong. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Many. So it cannot be his actions God is dealing with. There is only one thing as the will of God. Only one thing. The song asked the question, but they didn't answer it. What can I do? I saw that in the song when we were singing earlier. What can I do? There is one thing we all can do. And the Bible makes it clear. Let me jump to that answer quickly. Although I addressed that last week, let me do that again before we move on. First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. Hmm. First John, verse chapter three. Okay. Hallelujah. Ah. First John chapter three. I'm trying to find a verse. First John. Three. Uh, I don't want to have to. Oh, okay. Verse 22. First John 3, 22. Look at what it says. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, if you just stop right there, you leave thinking Jesus is about to give you a list of things to do again. If you just stop in verse 22, you think Jesus is your administrator. Task, to-do list. But look at verse 23. And this is his commandment. What is it, Jesus? What can I do for you? That we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. Did you see that? That's the only will of God. Believe. It is too simple to you, you are looking for a deep, very deep, like a Pythagoras theorem. That will impress many of you guys. Are you serious? 
scientists, scholars. Let's give some difficult equation that will take us nine weeks to solve. You become a chico beater to solve the mathematical problem. Socrates. One commandment. Believe. Believe. Can you get any simpler than that? I'm running around prophesying, doing this, doing that, building this, building that. You say, listen, do you believe? Do you believe? believe that's the key now now so we know that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness we know that David was acknowledged as a man after God's heart a singular honor that God gave to no one else now let me just start now for today's message all of that is revealed now let me build a little more on this role of the law and then I'm going to move to a new territory. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I need to trust God for some chilling air conditioning in this place. Lala is looking at me. You guys are cold? You should get up and do what I'm doing. Why are you sitting down? You guys are under the law. You think you have to come to church and sit down? <laughs> Get up and, and do something. <laughs> and move around. <laughs> Praise God. Galatians chapter 3. You know, I'm taking this time because this is a critical place for the body of Christ. This whole issue of grace and law. And how we balance it and how we... Uh, move in and out of it. It's important that we understand it because if we don't, I'm telling you, it will short circuit where you're going. Yes, sir. That's important. Stephen was stoned to death in the book of Acts because the scribes and the elders of Israel said he touched the law, that he preached against the law. Wow. Go read it. That was the reason why they killed him. They said it was against Moses and the law. Death penalty. I share that so you understand how much the religious traditional church can let it go. We have to be performance based. Give me something to do. Let me climb a wall. Let me go and climb stone mountain. And God give me a, a nice house in heaven because of that. And I'm saying to you that does not impress God one bit. He doesn't love you anymore. Nor does he love you any less. Because of performance. Thank you. But not only that, your performance negates grace. Because it's not of him that willeth. <laughs> it's of the Lord our God that gives mercy. And shows mercy. Okay? Galatians chapter 3 verse 19. Look at this. What purpose then does the Lord serve? You're talking all this time, law, law, don't walk, law, don't perform, don't perform. What purpose does this serve? After all, God gave it. Look at the answer. It was added. We can stop right there. Did you hear what Paul just said? It was what? So if something was added, that means that something was not there in the original. If God needed it at the beginning, he would he have had it. It was added. Now, let's go on and finish reading. Because of transgressions. Till. That's the second word. What's that word again? Say it again. Till. What does still mean? Time reference. Time reference. It was added until. Which means it has an expiration date. It has a date when it needed to end. When is that date? Until the seed, capital S, until the seed should come. Has the seed come? Yes. Why are you still under the law then? It was added. It was never part of God's plan. Show it to me in Genesis. There was no law. 
Show it to me before Exodus chapter 19. Now you can appreciate why Jesus said, of all the men, born of men, or women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Because it was in John the Baptist era when he introduced Jesus that God began to suspend the law. And then in Matthew 11, the Bible says, the law and the prophets prophesied until John. Yes. Read it, it's there. If they prophesied until John, what does that mean, post-John? They don't prophesy any longer. Because they spoke of a shadow. Now, the substance is here. Why should I embrace a shadow when I have the substance? That's what the Bible says. The law and the prophets prophesied until John. Until John. John became the hinge in that transition. Amen? Galatians chapter 3 verse 23. Verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith which will afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now look at verse 25. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Can you get any clearer? Faith has come. We are no longer to be judged based upon our works. Our performance. No. No. Straight Bible I'm giving you. Galatians chapter 4. Now, I'm going somewhere with all of this. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bond woman, the other by a free woman, but he who was of the bond woman was born according to the flesh and he of the free woman through promise which things are symbolic for these are two covenants the one from Mount Sinai that's where the law was given which gives birth to bondage which is Hagar for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. So here Paul tells us, listen, the law and grace can be compared to the two sons of Abraham, Ishmael and Isaac. One was by the flesh, human effort, performance, the other was through promise. It can't get any clearer than that. Now, please pay attention to what I'm about to say now. Because this is where I'm going to make a transition. Isn't it amazing that Moses, who was the mediator of the law, the one who received the law. The Bible describes in John 1, 17, the law came through Moses. But grace and truth through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear this. If the law was that great, Brother Daniel, why did they not get Moses to the promised land? many people in the Bible did more signs and wonders than Moses? Who has Moses' credentials? 
to say, ah, Moses, march two million people out of bondage. Enough to testify on TBN, one channel, and every other TV station every day of the week for one year. Hello? He, Moses, used by God to bring the law. Oh my God, this is getting too good. Here he is on the mountaintop. Bang. Two tablets in his hand. The Ten Commandments, you all. He comes down, saw the people messing around. Bang. The lawmaker broke the law. Before the law could even be enacted. If the law was that good, why did it not help him not to be angry? Ah. He's carrying it. You never carried it. Did you carry the Ten Commandments? He's carrying it. Oh my God. God's revelation. All the do's and don'ts. I'm about, this, I can't wait to get there so I can tell them what God said about do's and don'ts. Before he could get there, he broke them. Second instance, they are thirsty. Numbers chapter 20. They get to the water, to the, no, to the rock. He's done it before. God says, strike is struck. Water came out. Look at what the Lord does. The Lord does not listen to new instruction. The Lord goes by what has been written. The Lord does not have flexibility to know there's a change taking place. Man shall live by bread alone. And the, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Proceeding means advancing changing, continuous word of God. So the instruction you heard yesterday by the law, you are now holding God up to that to say that's the same instruction today? Are you kidding me? It worked yesterday. Does that mean it's going to work today? The law is too simple. You just oh, page 9, uh, uh, chapter 2 and verse, okay, this is what we did yesterday. We do it again. Okay, let's call it again. God said no. So he struck the rock the first time. The second time God said, listen, I'm not a, even though I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the one that gives the law, I want you to know I'm still a graceful God. Yes, this time, don't strike it, speak to it. Did Moses hear that? Why will he not hear? It's memorized all the laws. So this time, instead of obeying and speaking, he struck it again. And if you read the passage, he was angry. He was boiling. He said, you rebellious people should we call for water again? First time, he came back from the mountain. He was overtaken by what? Anger. Second time, in striking the rock, the second time, what was overtaking him? Anger. Two instances. This lawyer called Moses could not tame his anger. Consequently, this is not sure here. Consequently, Moses, this esteemed great man of God who speaks to God face to face, was barred from the rest of God. Let me break it down. Was barred from entering his promised land. A place of rest, a place of completion, a place of finishing, a place of satisfaction. Even though he knew God. He knew by the law. God said, no, I don't want to know by the law. I want to know by grace. Wow. Is that what you want to emulate? So Moses at his best saw God but missed the promised land. Because the law was never intended to take him there. Okay, let me read one verse. Numbers. One verse. I'm looking at time. Numbers 20. So you can see the consistency in what God is saying to us. What's the one commandment that God has given us? What's the one thing we can do? Believe. Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. 
Numbers chapter 20, verse 8. Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron. Gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes. And it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now you rebels. <laughs> Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly. And the congregation and their animals drank. Now look at verse 12. God speaking. Verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Because. Because of what? What did God say to Moses? Did he say Moses, you disobey me? No. No. God did not say Moses, you disobey my instruction. No. That's what you and I say. God said, you did not believe me. You are an unbeliever. Wow. When you frowned at my promise, when you did not receive and accept my promise for the first value, in that instant, you are an unbeliever. There's only one thing we can do. Believe. Oh, I don't know. This sounds crazy, pastor. This doesn't sound right. This sounds ridiculous. Believe. Nobody in my household has ever done this before. Believe. There is no precedence for what you are asking me to do. Believe. Hello? Listen. It doesn't matter what your political position may be. What would have happened when Obama was being prompted to run for presidency? If someone said to him, Obama, Barack, do you know your village? East Africa, Kenya. What is wrong with What's your problem? How many blacks have become president in America? America that sold slaves. How mad are you? What's the incredible thing you're thinking in your head? Banish that thought. What would have happened? Thank God he didn't have all you lawyers to advise him. He believes what he sensed. Yes. It's just simple as that. Simple as that. Notice this. That in spite, and this is where we connect with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. This is where God is so amazing. In spite of Moses' unbelief. This God supply the water. And that's where we get confused. I saw the miracle. I saw the thing. I saw that. Does the miracle validate the man? Absolutely not. God honored his word, blessed his people, and called the man of God to decide. It's time for spanking. Get here. And God said to him, why are you so disobedient? Why are you so unbelieving? Because of this, look at the line, you now enter. Go back and see. In the meantime, the needs of the people are met. They are singing on their way home. Oh, refreshed. Hallelujah. God is a good God. Hey, glory to God. And the man of God is lavishing. You better believe God. That's the one singular Thing God is asking us to do. Believe. 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 I mean, despite Moses' huge record of signs and wonder and great works of the law, he himself never made it to the promised land of rest. If rest could have been achieved through works of the law, Moses would have made it to the promised land, but he didn't. Now, now, I've spent a lot of time debunking the law. Now, this is the other side. Shall we become lawless? 
Because we are no longer under the law. Can I now go into Atlanta and drive downtown Atlanta 90 miles an hour? And tell the policeman, I'm under grace, not under the law. Can I go to the mall and look at the first woman I, I see and say, listen, I command you to come and be, sleep with me. I'm under, it's not under the law. No, Hello? Sir. No, sir. This is important that we get this. Because we need to understand the relationship between the believer and the law and the application on a daily basis. So we are no longer under the law. What that means is my relationship with God is not based on my performance, my efforts, or what I do or do not do. Yes, sir. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. God does not reserve my place in heaven on the basis of what I'm doing for him or not doing for that matter. Now, based on that statement I just made, I need to say something. By not doing, thank you, by not honoring God, I do not diminish God's love for me. Never. And the way to know that is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. He still gave when we're all ungodly. So that will never change. However, me, that is misbehaving. What happens is my heart becomes calloused. My heart becomes hardened. Even though God loves me and that love will never diminish, my ability to appreciate that love diminishes. Yes. Sin at no time is, is not a good proposition. It robs you of your ability to see the love of God, appreciate the love of God, and enjoy the love of God. It doesn't stop God loving you, but you can't appreciate that love. Are you getting that? You need to understand that. The prodigal son, so-called, even though his father never stopped loving him, there was a period while he was away from home where he did not see that love. He knew of it, but he could not taste it because it was not there. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So God's love for me never diminishes, but my ability to reciprocate, to enjoy, to see, and to appreciate that love is hugely impacted. Ooh, I see how quiet it's been. Oh, so you guys stop for a moment. I was telling you to go out and just do what? Smoke your tequila or whatever, Columbia gold. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. Under grace, the standard is higher. I don't have time to get to that into this message. Under the law, that shall not come in adultery. Under grace, if you look, you already done it. <laughs> Which one is harder? Grace. So you see, it's going to take a long time to be fully established in the message. That's why we have grace realities. What we cannot share in this forum and to allow you to ask questions to get clarity and understanding. No, Jesus is not giving me and you carte blanche to go out and mess his name up. Look at what just happened. With this crazy uh, uh, affair, this thing with this website where people can commit Ashley, whatever her name is. This website that's exclusively designed for married people who want to have an affair. Their slogan is, life is too short, have an affair. And to make it easy for you so you don't have to go out to the mall, you don't have to go to the club, you don't have to go and find the affair, you go online, that's what they say, and you put all your information and it comes back and gives you a match. And that's it, it happens. But look at what God just did. A hacker just hacked into that system and exposed 32 million people. <laughs> 32 million! Your next door neighbor. I want to play it safe. I don't want to say it's you because we need to find out. Hatch, hear this. One of these guys that's been making noise on reality TV. Teaching all of us about 
family values and what we need to do, all the do's and don'ts. Who was a little ago called out for molesting his sisters, and there was a lot of uproar among my very wonderful conservatives trying to cover it all up. Well, it's happened 15 years ago. This don't worry about it. God is a forgiving God. He's asked for forgiveness. The bra is a regular parishioner of this website. And has been listed doing it since 2005. So all the time they were apologizing for what we did 15 years ago, he was partaking. How did I get to that? Okay. Grace has a higher standard. Grace has a higher standard. So, shall we become lawless because we are no longer under law? No. Absolutely not. You just need to know how God does it now. That's the essence. And let me take you there, and we need to close. Ah, we need to close, but man. Hebrews chapter 8. Whew. Hebrews chapter 8. <clears throat> I don't know about you guys, man. I need to really, really pray for this AC thing. I'm sweating like a Christmas goat. <laughs> All right. I'm hearing your message. His grace is available. One day you'll be up here and I'll be singing the same song to you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 8. Look at verse 7. Shall we become lawless? No. We already said it. Absolutely not. Hebrews 8 verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place will have been sought for a second. Okay? Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them out of the land to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Now look at this, verse 10. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will do what? Put my laws in their mind. I write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Do you see this transaction? Under the law, you have to know the law. You have to get the law, read it, and then practice it and obey it. Under grace, God said, I will do it for you. I will write it in your mind. You don't have to read it in the book any longer. It will be in your mind. I will come and give you a new spirit. Ezekiel 36. Read it. Verses 25 to 27. Ezekiel 36. Number one, he said, I will cleanse you. Number two, he said, I will give you a new mind. Number three, he said, I will put my spirit in you. Yes, so all of a sudden, it's no longer an external thing. Driving down the road in Atlanta, they have a speed limit that you and I must look at. 75 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour. It's external. Yes. Under grace, it's internal. God said, I'll put it in you. As long or so long as you are born again, my spirit will come inside of you. And I will be telling you what to do. It is not you living the Christian life. You couldn't do it. No one can do it. Hear this. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, was all man and all God. If I had to say it a better way, it was all man. Full of God. All mind, full of God. How did he survive? Because his father, inside of him, was leading him. That's why he kept, that's why he kept on telling us, 
I can of my, of my own self do nothing. Yes, sir. What I see is what I do. Yes, sir. Constantly, he's telling us, I can of my own self do nothing. So Jesus, all man, full of God, walked through this earth with God's leading and guidance. Wow. So God now says, what I did in my son, now I do in you. My son will be the one in you now. You not Moses shouting to you, that shall not kill. That shall not come in adultery. That shall not get... No, 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 no. Moses' voice cannot be heard in Atlanta. But Jesus inside of you will not begin to tell you what to do, wow. when to do it. That's the point. You, you see, our challenge is it's easier to get a rule book. Go to page 19. Yes. Greg, show up at 9 o'clock. It, there's no, no effort. Yes. Versus you hearing him say that in your, inside your belly and you follow it. Yes. That's the big difference. That's the big difference. He wants to come inside of us and live his life through us. Yes. By me and you yielding to him through believing him. That's the big difference. And when you do that, you will not have to worry about obeying any law. Can it get any simpler than that? Give me five more minutes. And we're going to find a way to close this. Ah! Go to John chapter 1. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't finish this message again today. Maybe if we have AC the next time, I'll be able to hurry through. <laughs> because I don't want to rush it and then you don't get the message. Look at John chapter 1. This was amazing when I saw this. Because what God is trying to do for me and you, he already showed us and he already did it. Look at John chapter 1. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How did he know? How did John Baptist know that Jesus was the Savior? He announced it to the world. But how did he know? Watch. Verse 30. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Look at verse 31. I did not know him. Do you see that? John the Baptist did not know him. That's not to say that he never saw Jesus before, but he did not know him in his role as the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. Yes. He didn't know. Just like me and you don't know a lot of things right now, but I am telling you, if you are born again, filled with the Spirit of God, in that self same hour, where you need to know something, the Holy Spirit drops it in you. Straight away. John did not know. Hallelujah. Yet he announced to the whole world and pointed, this is it. Wow. And then he explained to you and I, I didn't know him. Let's read on. Verse 31. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. Verse 33 for emphasis. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He didn't know. All he had was information that God gave. You're going to get out there, you're going to see a man. That spirit will descend upon him. Whoever that is, that's your savior. End of story. And when he pointed and proclaimed, this is the Lamb of God. I'm sure his legs were quaking. But hey, if God don't back this up, I'm finished. Because you are announcing to the whole world that this is the Lamb of God. You see, we read these things with simplistic mind. We don't understand the implication. John's entire reputation was on the line. When he spoke that word, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There was no backing up yet. No confirmation. No affirmation. Nobody could say, hey, John, where did you get that from? But he knew what he heard. 
and he announced what he knew he heard. And later, God confirmed it. What are you waiting on? Now, this is where I'm closing. If Jesus could honor the actions of false prophets, this is where proof producers is going. If Jesus can honor the actions of false prophets and brought forth miracles, signs, and wonders, and prophesying from people who are not even born again, how much more for you and I? If unbelievers can have works, signs, supernatural works, how much more those of us that believe? Mark 16 verse 17. These signs shall follow them that believe. If you look at this mountain, and you do not doubt in your heart, Jesus says, but command the mountain to be lifted and cast into the sea, and you believe in your heart that what you say will come to pass. Hey. Oh, glory to God! Glory to God! Are there believers in this house? Are there people in this house who want to produce proof that Jesus Christ is alive and well? Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Believe, he says. We are one belief away from our manifestation. We are one belief away for, from our supernatural happening. One belief. If unbelievers can come up with goods, if Moses, under the law, can disobey God and produce goods, now I'm not asking to go and disobey. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just making a point. But if God produced the good through Moses who disobeyed him, how much more through us? What can God do through us if we give ourselves to him? Believe. Believe. I close with this. True story. Long time ago, in Ibadan, Nigeria, Archbishop Idahosa gets to the stadium at Adamashiba Stadium. I will never forget this. And the cloud was deep. The rain was coming up. Thousands of people have come to hear him. And that man of God got on that podium. He knew everybody was concerned that rain was pending. And he lifted his hands. And he said, rain, I command you not to come until I finish my message. And just as he spoke it, like a carpet, like a uh, rooftop, you know those, uh, uh, those that roof in your cars. As if somebody pressed a button, the clouds just rolled back. And bright sunshine came back upon the meeting. And this man of God preached. And people were born again. Signs and wonders happened. And once it was done, this is the truth. He got out of the stadium and as he was getting into his car, he said, Rain, you can come now. Hallelujah. And rain came down in that place like never before. If God did it once, if Joshua, my God, give me Joshua chapter 10. If Joshua can to the moon and say, Moon, stop in your track. My God, because I have battle to do. And Joshua spoke it, and God honored it. And we are told, according to the message translation, that it's never happened since then. But I'm here to rewrite message translation. Hallelujah. It had not happened before. But I'm saying to you, it will happen for you. In the name of Jesus. John chapter 10. Is anybody there? Quickly, son. Thank you. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Thank you, Lord. 
verses 12 through 14, message translation. Pastor Tosin shared this during our fast. Is it on? Joshua chapter 10, I'm sorry. Did I say John? Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't blame that on your anointing. That was, that was, <laughs> that's Joshua chapter 10. Look at this. That day, God gave the Amorites up to Israel. Spoke to God. We're all Israel's Now, let, let me explain this. Even though the Bible says God spoke to God, you need to see what Joshua's action really was. He wasn't speaking to God. He was speaking to the element. Whatever your elements in your situation. Stop! Son! Over Gibeon. Halt! Moon! Over Ijalon Valley. And their son what? And the moon did what? <laughs> Until he defeated his enemies. You can find this written in the book of Joshua. The sun stopped in its tracks. In the mid sky. Just sat there all day. Verse 14. There's never been a day like that before. I will not read since because it will happen again. <laughs> Hallelujah. God took orders from a human voice. Truly, God fought for Israel. How do I know that God takes command from man? Isaiah 45 verse 11. Ask me of something concerning my sons. And concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. What are you commanding today? I close with this. I know I've been saying close, close, close. This true story. It just happened last week. My wife and I, we took a few days off. I went to my favorite spot to rest, Las Vegas. <laughs> Sunday after the service, we were gone. We have booked a room which they call Luxury Suite. 635 square feet. That's what we booked. So we got there. To check in. They said, well, the suit is not available. Da, da, da. I said, what? For four hours, I've been flying, dreaming about this suit. <laughs> you are telling me it's not available. And they're trying to just, well, what we're going to do, uh, we'll give you the hospitality room. That I said, hospitality room. So I now finally asked the question, is the hospitality luxury? The lady said, no. Ah. No, I don't want it. Back and forth and back and forth. She said, okay, listen. If you just take this for one night, tomorrow morning we'll change you. This time it's 11 o'clock at night. I've preached Sunday here. I'm tired. So I said, okay, let's do it. Now, she was telling us the features of the hospital, but I didn't listen. <laughs> because I'm so zeroed in one word. Luxury. Bam, 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 bam. Open the door. 1500 square feet. The room they said was not available was only 600 square feet. The flat screen TV in my living room, 100 inches. The flat screen in my bedroom, 72 inches. A bar with huge bastards for four, 60 inch flat screen. Then you enter my toilet. Another 22 inch TV. I said, excuse me? You want to move me from here tomorrow morning? <laughs> you are going to downgrade me from 1500 to 600? I am sorry. My mother did not raise a fool. And Jesus did not, I'm not an idiot. I am keeping what I got. I pick up the phone. Excuse me? Forget about moving tomorrow. I'm saying where I am. 
What am I saying to us? This is the message. Sometimes we get fixated on one word or one issue. And God is trying to take your eyes off your fixation to put something in your hand. And you are arguing and debating and fighting and forcing. It's crazy. It's, it's stupendous. I mean, I said, whoa! Uh, listen, the, it's so hard to come back home. <laughs> After having been in that place for about four or five days, it's hard. Nice! And we didn't have to pay a dime more. Not one red cent more. Hello? That's what God has in store for you. That's exactly what he has in store for you. If you can believe him for it. And believe him through it. And believe him for it. Yes. And so Father, I thank you this morning for every man and every woman under the sound of my voice. That you great God who is so great, who is so marvelous will help us to get us to that point where we fully completely just trust you. Casting our cares upon you because indeed and truly you care for us and you love us. So we embrace your love. We thank you Lord Jesus that we will no longer try to relate to you on the basis of our performance. But we're going to start listening to that inner voice within us because it is you that is at work in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. We release ourselves. We thank you for your voice and your spirit. And we bless your name because you are a great God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Give him all the glory. All the praise. I got.